You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Janet Mohapi Banks. Hi there, how are you doing? Janet, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? Okay, so um, my name is Janet Mohapi Banks. I'm an international best-selling author, speaker, and superhero coach for um, Conscious Awakening. Okay, number one best-selling author. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about New York Times bestseller? Because it mm. seems like every book I've ever read is a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> well, no, um, New York Times is is a lot harder than my number one best-selling. Um, but no, I'm Amazon, Amazon bestseller. But um, I hit the number one category, oh, hit the number one spot in twenty-one categories throughout the world. Um, including the top level categories of self-help in three countries, which I was just absolutely blown away by. And that's from my book, um, Habits for Happiness. So you typically read about self-help? Um, yes, this book is it's all about self-help. It's all about personal development. It's all about creating the life that you really want to live because there are way too many people in the world not living the life that they want. Okay. Um, when you write, or you're not writing stories, you're not writing anything of this sort. So when did you start writing? Like, did you just randomly decide, like, did you go through something hard? Usually when someone writes a self-help book, they go through something difficult that kind of, when they get to the other side or when they feel like, you know, they've overcome their really kind of hard, complicated scenario that they're put in, that they feel like they can give an insight into other people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason that I'm a coach now um, and, you know, and I've written this book in particular is because um, back in the day, I was an award winning luxury cake designer. Um, I was selling my cakes at the Ritz Hotel in London, Mayfair. It's like the fancy dentist of places. Um, I was, you know, on in all the wedding magazines, on international wedding blogs, on wedding TV and all of this. Um, and I, di I developed a digestive disorder that meant that I was literally vomiting multiple times a day for nearly five years. Um, I was, you know, under the care of the most eminent um, gastroenterologist in the country. Um, and they kind of got to the end of the line with how they could help me. Um, so the prognosis was a slow starvation to death because they did not know how to fix me. Um, so after getting all my will in order, getting provision for my children, um, then I was just like, okay, so what else is there? How else can I get out of this situation? You know, I'd sort of prepared for the worst, but now it was also time to, um, yeah, reach out to other possibilities. Um, so then I went, found a chiropractor. She cracked my back. Um, and on the sixth session of cracking my back she um there was just the most enormous crack you could ever ever imagine if you've ever had chiropractic have you ever had chiropractic no i'm definitely afraid of chiropractors really okay so it sounds it sounds much more painful and scarier than it actually is it looks much more painful yes and and you know and like when she does my neck there's always that sort of little tiny fleeting oh my god she's gonna break it but that's it, what I'm saying. Like, you know how 
simple it would be for one guy to get like have a bad day and just be like, you know what? I'm not going to crack your neck in the right way. I'm going to do it the wrong way. The next thing you know, you look like one of those commercials for like insurance where like you have a painfully twisted neck like this and the lady's head's upside down. Like that's always scared the living hell out of me. Yeah, I I think you're probably safe in the hands of a chiropractor, if I'm honest. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, she cracked my back and it was the loudest crack in the world. And I was just like, oh, but it doesn't hurt. Like I say, it's just like air escaping or something like that. Yeah, it's like when um, you pop your knuckles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but sometimes I pop my knuckle, and next thing I know, my finger's a little bit numb. I'm like, okay, I probably <laughs> shouldn't have done it that way. So that's because you're not a trained chiropractor. <laughs> See, when someone tells me, like, oh, I'm a chiropractor, I just look at them, and I immediately think witchcraft. I'm like, get out of here with that. <laughs> it's it's phenomenal. It really is. Um, I, I mean, I've... I was married to a man for several years that didn't believe in any any alternative remedies or anything like that at all, really. Um, so, you know, going to a chiropractor for me was, um, yeah, it was really thinking out of the box. But now, now I just, I love chiropractic work. Obviously I do, because she literally gave me my life back. Um, now this, this helped medically with you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So... What she did, she cracked my back. Um, I went to sleep that night um, and woke up sort of halfway through the night with the most intense pain in my brain (laughs) that um, you could ever imagine. It was like, it only lasted about 20 seconds and it was like, and it felt like um, electricity going up an oak tree. I could feel it going up um, like a trunk and into the branches and all the little capillary things. Um, And... I went back to sleep again. I woke up the following morning um, and I was pain-free for the first time in over four and a half years. And Yes, similar to like the impulses that you're talking about. See, I I get fascinated with the human mind because like, you know, a lot of people experience growing pains like when you're a kid and that pulsating feeling like it literally feels like your leg is growing or something when you're getting taller. And they always say, it's always growing pains. It's growing pains. That's kind of the same reaction, but yours is more neurochemistry. Yeah. So what what the chiropractor Jade um, thought was happening was that the the synapses were reconnecting. So through all the work that I did with the hospital, um, they discovered that there was no electrical signal going from my brain into my stomach. And that's why I was vomiting all the time because food was going into my stomach, but then it literally didn't know what to do with it because it wasn't getting the instruction. Um, so by cracking my back and releasing my nerve, um, she released, yeah, she released the nerve, which meant that the electrical signals could get back through again. Did they discover that what caused all this? Was it because they eating cake? Cause you talked <laughs> about usually like people get, well, I mean, it is kind of, it's funny to look at, but when you look at like diabetes and all these types of things, like d- indulging in sweets, there's not really a benefit, especially when you're around at 24 seven It's why I would never own a bakery because I know I'd be eating cake all the time. So when you, when you look at that and all the health issues and a lot of that are kind of medical things that go into our body are based on nutrition, what you eat kind of what your body kind of thrives off of energy wise. I mean, that would make sense that like, you know, if you developed a lot of sweets that your brain might have, or you might have stomach issues. I know when I eat red meat, I won't go to the bathroom for a while because I just haven't had it in forever. Right. Yeah. No, in my case, it was nothing to do with that. It was to do with the fact that I was spending literally hours and hours a day bent over 
making sugar flowers. And before that, before I was a luxury cake designer, um, I was a computer programmer. And so again, that was hours and hours a day bent over a, a keyboard. And what okay, happened- Okay, so you, when, it, when you're bent down, mm -hmm. you, you, you lost, I guess, sensor reception. Now, was it all your discs compacted or was it a certain few? Because I know there's like four and five happens yeah, to well, do with like your uh, lower legs. Jake said that and like once the you get up to like the upper tier, like one and two, really that compacted. happens to do a little bit more so with like the, your neck the, and your you brain. Know, the spine bits. What are they called? Spiny bits. You know, your spine is made up of lots of little bits. They were really, yeah, yeah, exactly. They oh, were all man. really, really compacted and close together. And that was probably like near the tail from bit. years of bending over and not not opening myself up properly. Those are your angel wings, that's what they call it. I always get nervous when it comes to the back because I'm like, imagine, like people don't realize how sensitive that actually is. Like if you actually hit your back hard enough, yes, you can so have severe back pain. I mean, I was hit by a jet ski T5, one summer it was. and I had twisted T5. muscles in it's my basically back and a bunch where your of angel ripped, and I thought I broke join. my spine because like that my was, bone, I have a protruding tailbone. So like the doctor's looking at me, he's like, I think you have a fractured no, back. Top. And I'm like, it's painful where's, where's to even stand wings? up right where's now. Angel but like wings? all my weight was on my spine in general. Like you could what, feel it. There? And I was like, no. imagine like so many people that just go around like, you know, falling, getting hit, makes you look at sports. It makes you look at everything. Like you don't know how sensitive of people we actually are. Oh no, I'll stay away from that witchcraft. You start pulling out dolls and everything. I just, that popping, that cracking always scares me. I don't mind if someone like walks on my back or, you know, I get my occasional friend like, hey, crack my back real quick. But like, I don't know, putting my faith into mm -hmm. someone that I barely know, I'm like, you just could have one off day. So when you go and write books about self-help and you came from, you know, being oh, yeah. a world no, kind true, of cake designer, like really how, did, how did you decide to take that, that leap? Do you just decide like you've been through a hard <laughs> spot, so you decided that you can kind of give a better inflection onto other people's lives on it? <sighs> oh, yeah, you little face. Terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so because I, I mean, if, if the, like I say, the prognosis was that I was going to die. I did not expect to be here for my son's 10th birthday. Um, he's 13 now. Um, yeah, and I really didn't expect yeah, well, to be Yeah, well, if you it. have and a bad day, a lot of people don't realize the sense of empathy like, really that we lack. Like you know, when we start lacking more empathy for others, and we create a negative know, energy out there that we kind of put out in the world. I'm that kind of makes it more difficult people. to kind of get around because, and get what you, know, you need why else would? And, you know, I'm not religious or anything like that. I don't believe in God. Um, but I do believe in, you know, um, like infinite intelligence and universal energy and things like that. Um, and I know that we are all connected. Everything is energy in the in the universe. Um, everything is energy in the. Yeah, precisely. Um, so I just I knew that I was here to help people, and and yeah, and I just wanted to help people. So where as soon as I got better. 
um, you know, and was able to get up. Because like I say, for five years, I was pretty much bedridden. Um, my husband left me halfway through as well while I was waiting for brain scan results. My 11-year-old daughter, she was 11 at the time, she's now 16, um, she uh, had to take care of both me and her little brother. And it was, you know, a really awful time. So when I got better, um, the, my first initial thought was I'm going to take a year off just being alive with the kids. Um, but within a month, I'd already started a coaching business um, because I knew that I just wanted to help people. I wanted to help people have the levels of success that I had had, but without all the stress, without all the you know, nearly dying part. So I started as a business coach um, to do that. And then through various more, more life, more life happens because it does every day. Um, so then I turned my business coaching into transformational life coaching because once you look at the whole person, then everything else sort of falls into place. Yeah, and then I sort of went into stress coaching and now I'm like a superhero coach because I want people to have the best, most ultimate life that they could ever, ever, ever imagine. And like I said, right at the top, the majority of people don't realize just how special and precious life is. So yeah, it's definitely hard. I knew that I had to help people understand that again. It's definitely hard for people to see that light at the end of the tunnel because the tunnel feels like it's never going to end. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll use a personal story to my own life. I mean, just the other day, and not even yesterday, actually it was yesterday, um, I got a nail in my tire. So that's most people are like okay you get it fixed you get it done that's the fourth tire i've gotten a nail in in the past month and a half i've had oh that's interesting i've had it? to replace i know i feel like some person's dropping nails in front of yeah. me or something and i'm like this is four times luckily i didn't have to get a new tire replaced i only had to get it patched but it's like before that the week before i had to get a new tire and then also at the same time i had to get a whole new battery so i don't spend a lot of my money so i'm very cautious with with my funds go so I was just losing money. I'm like, man, there's not even a point in driving out in the world anymore. And, you know, sometimes you need to vent. Sometimes you need someone just to kind of like give you like a, you know, arm around the shoulder. Like it's going to be all right. You know, let's get, it gets better. But like all the advice I was looking for was like, well, that's life. That's, it's just this. I'm like, if it's just never ending shit, then what's the point of being around? And <laughs> after a while I was just sitting there like, man, I'm just going to get this fixed. And obviously it's, it's, it comes from a big section of being overwhelmed as people. We don't really problem solve effectively, just like how I experienced. Like when something arises like that, that's so immediate and you weren't expecting it, you don't know how to handle it. So your worst thing is to freak out and cause a giant scenario, but it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. When, like I said, the tunnel seems like it's going to go on for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. But why do you think that you have found all these nails in the road? I have no fucking clue, to be 100% honest with you. <laughs> I'll be straight with you. I swear, I'm like driving. I'm like, why? Why? Literally, I went out in the morning. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and my tire looks flat. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put air in it. So I go put air in it, and I'm like, it's telling me it's full. I'm like, what do you mean it's full? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't have time to deal with any, like, thing else with this car right now. And I'm looking and I just see a nail sticking out. I'm like, wonderful. But before all the other times, it was on the sidewall. So it's very hard to patch a tire if it's on the sidewall. So mine was directly in the center. So I was like, perfect. Let's hope I can get this patched. End up waiting 
three hours before the place opens up, sitting waiting for an hour for a tow truck. Then finally, I get in there and I wait in an hour in the lobby, and they're like, "Oh, you're all good, man." I'm, he's like, thirty bucks." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Thank God! I thought it was going to be like six hundred bucks." Yeah, no, definitely. And no, I hate times. They're so expensive. It's it, well, like there's always something that costs something. It's always it feels like to live this life, not only just taking emotional stress throughout the day and physical stress, you also like the system we kind of run on, where it's just money, everything to get anything, and it feels like everything's just payment after payment. You know what I mean? It gets a little bit hard sometimes, especially when you're just like, you know, my age, like 20 years old, just trying to get something for yourself. And like, I started, I mean, I, I researched chemical dependency for a long time because addiction like was affecting my area pretty big. And I started noticing a lot of the kids that I graduated with that are all in like their twenties and they're all drinking all the time and partying. And I'm like, do they have it figured out? Do they, are they just happy with life? Because it seems like I'm doing worse off than them when really they're miserable, but the only thing that gets mm -hmm. them through is drinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, all things like that is, I mean, people, people fill the gaps in their lives with various things. People rarely fill the gap with the thing that it's actually called for. Well, it's always weird because you hear someone, you know, that's always cracking jokes and that's always laughing and it's always having a good time. And you look at them like, oh, they probably don't have a problem in their life when actually they're probably the most afflicted of all. You know, the difference is trying to come above that and trying to see, you know, the way out. And that's, it's, it's like I said, it's difficult. Um, a lot of people choose to kind of just go to bed and totally gloss over it. And then it doesn't, the problem never goes away when you never choose to handle and talk about it or just express your feelings. You know, I'll buy a punching bag, set it up in my garage, you know, just let a little bit of steam out. You know, my gym, my belief is the gym. That's where I get my stress out. It, it's a mm -hmm. big helpful thing because when I feel there, I can just keep my mindset on one thing and the problems of the outside world don't matter. I think more people need to have that into their life. You know, a lot of people can get that from reading, you know, such as like a book, something that you wrote, you know, coming from a perspective of someone that has went through something that is difficult at the time. I mean, you probably had points where you're just sitting there like, what's the point right now? Like, I know you had your kids and everything to keep you motivated to get going, but it probably was just very hard to keep that mindset. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, but I don't know. I think that's, that's why I've written the book as well. It's because I know now that there really isn't such a good, that there really isn't such a thing as a good thing or a bad thing because you don't know the bigger picture. Yeah. So that you might find, I don't know, but you might find that, you know, a little way down the line, you bump into somebody else that, you know, you spoke to while you were sat at the waiting for your tire to get fixed that will help you out down the line. I don't know. You know, like when my husband left, it seemed like a really, really bad thing at the time. But had he not left, then I never would have gone to see a chiropractor in the first place. And I know that I would be dead. Yeah, it's so, definitely, it's, I mean, it's cool to see a help, self-help book like yourself, um, the one you wrote, because of the concept of, like you said in the beginning, you're not a very religious person. It seems like every right. self-help book you ever read happens to deal a lot with turning to God or turning to some person to believe in. That kind of gets yeah, them through. So my, my philosophy is that you are the God. You are the person that you need to believe in. Well, I think we all know God is Morgan Freeman, but <laughs> look, I, 
when you when you read or you go to like for me when I went to chemical dependency meetings to study a little bit and learn more about addiction and stuff, I was noticing that everything that was involved into their programs were God related, and mm. you know whether it comes to AA meetings or narcotics meetings, I was just all these people that were turning to God. And then you get to see the very few that were like, I don't believe in this. So how can I follow your guidelines if you're not giving me anything that I can get into? And it was, it was weird, but I had to bring up a question to this one guy in particular. I was like, do you ever feel uncomfortable because you don't seem like a very religious person? And he goes, yeah, it's definitely hard to come into these meetings, but I found my own way, you know, knowing that it relies on my shoulders to keep myself straight. And then looking at his family, he was able to pull himself out of that. That's why I find your book pretty unique because of the concept of you don't always have to turn to religion. You don't always have to turn to thinking that there's some being out there that wants you to do good. So you have to be good, but Mm -hmm. make that inflection onto yourself, you know, make it your job to get yourself help if you want it. You know, if you don't want help, then it's not going to ever come. You're just going to do it for somebody else. And then when you get the chance to slip up, you will. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you've absolutely nailed it on the head. You see, for me, it's, it's all an inner game. It's all an inner game. But we're not taught that. At schools, we're not taught that. We're taught that somebody else always knows better than we do. Why do you think um, that, that we're taught that in school? It always seems like, you know, when it comes to the basis of storytelling or anything around history, there's always an object that you have to look up towards or someone you have to aspire to be. But it feels like some of the biggest motivators and some of the biggest, you know, changes of our society or changes in the world are based on people that go and do their own unique individual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now we could go, we could go down several paths here. Okay. So the education system as it is set up for the majority of people, especially in the West, like America and the UK and places like that. Um, the education system is set up to breed workers. It's yeah, not, gyms it's not, that work a nine to five lifestyle. Yeah, and for a absolutely. lot of people, that's not the norm. Yeah, you know, it's, it doesn't teach free thinking. Societies generally don't like free thinkers because they do step out of, the, step out of bounds, you know. They step out of other people's comfort zones. But the fact is we're not here to satisfy other people's comfort zones. We are here to to find the the most joy, the most happiness in our own lives. And we can't allow other people to dictate to us what that feels like and what that is. You know, we're sold this story of if you get the car, you get the house, you get the clothes, you get the girl, you get the boy, you get whatever, that will make you happy, but it isn't. That isn't where happiness comes from. Happiness has to come from within. Because otherwise, what happens is just like, you know, your um, chemical dependency uh, groups, you, you keep looking externally for all of your answers. You keep putting the responsibility of your happiness, of your life in the hands of other people. And they're never going to live up to your expectations. They're never going to. So you fill the gaps. You fill the gaps with drugs, with drink, with shopping with food that's when- a lot of addictions lead because of the chemical response in the brain to how we receive the information that we're uh, taking a part of i think yeah like- no absolutely it's sat- but you know it satisfies all the all the happy hope 
it's crazy because that when you look at things that proceed, you know, future addictions or just future problems in your life, like there was something you could have done, but you ended up changing your path a little bit. I believe we're all on our own path and we all have Absolutely. to take these, we all have to take these walks of life in the way we want them to do. You know, you're the only person that has the keys to your car to drive it. Absolutely. So everybody else that kind of gives their opinion, they could be helping or they could be hurting you, but they're a GPS in the road. If you choose to listen to their advice and that's your price, you have to pay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't force you to take a left or do anything in your life. You only have that opportunity to do so. But if I give you advice and you follow it and it leads you down a wrong path, maybe, you know, that's, uh, that's something you have to kind of come up with yourself. You have to decide that was this good information that I got or bad information. And it feels yeah. like, especially with a lot with self-help books where it does get a lot of flack and stuff or um, doesn't really matter what type you're doing, whether it's addiction or anything like that. It feels like somebody is telling them what to be doing. And it's not more about telling you what you should be doing. It's explaining a story, a, 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 your story exactly. You know, It's coming from your perspective, which yeah. is more relatable for someone to actually get into. Because how many times do you read a self-help book and the person who wrote it never suffered from anything they just have a better mindset and it's like maybe that could help but it's going to hit a lot more people if it feels like someone who's stuck in the slum starts talking to someone who has been through it mm -hmm. no definitely definitely so what types of things do you try and express in your book because you, you talk about tips and you know yeah. basically habits for happiness you know name, happiness. name drop of the book but <laughs> Thank like you. what types of habits though Okay, so, you know, at the end of every chapter, there's a little exercise that you can do. So it's kind of like a course, really. Um, so, you know, there's things like um, gratitude, because one of the, that was one of the things that really hit me when I got well again, is just how much appreciation I had for life now. Um, and I didn't really appreciate my position where I was before. Before I got ill, you know, I was just living and it was just, it was just the way it was. I didn't really um, have an awful lot of gratitude for the house that I lived in. I didn't really have an awful lot of gratitude for the food that I ate. And it's only when you can start really appreciating just how amazing your life is that things actually change for you because your perception of life changes. Instead of um, seeing all the negatives of life, you actually see all the positives. So yeah, you know, we really go into um, gratitude and appreciation is a massive one because even in your darkest days, there is always something that has just lifted you ever so slightly, even if it's just for five seconds that you can look back on and go, oh, okay, that was actually pretty good. And then when you have that initial thought of that was pretty good, that usually leads you to another thought of actually that was pretty good as well. Uh, so, you know, writing gratitudes out, but not just a a list of five things that hasn't got any emotional feeling with it. You need to have the emotion and feeling behind it. Now, obviously my story of how I discovered gratitude is quite extreme. Like I say, it was nearly dying and it's only through not dying that I appreciated it. Um, so, but hopefully other people won't need to get to the depths that I got before you can actually start looking at life, looking at the life that you've actually got and going, you know what? this is all right. It might not be, you know, sort of a millionaire lifestyle. I might not have the yacht, the plane, whatever's, but what I've got is pretty awesome, actually. That's, pretty that's what makes yeah. it, 
so hard to see that, like the way that mindset is because of everything we base ourselves off of, of what people have. We're always constantly judging others. You see a person with a lot of nice stuff, a lot of nice cars or a nice house or something. Then you immediately start examining yourself and seeing like, oh, I'm not at his position. Well, you exactly. throw yourself into a, a spiraling, basically downfall. Yeah, but that's it. You see, again, we, we're taught that life has to be a competition. But what if, what if that isn't true? What if you decide, actually, my life isn't in competition with anybody else? Homeless people, they are the expert minimalists is what I call them. The reason why is because, you know, the people that choose to be homeless, obviously, but they, even an average day homeless person has no care for his possessions, has no worth to them at all on the concept of he understands. Either he, you know, got, there's a position that obviously got him to that point, but it's the idea that we are literally holding items as mm -hmm. worth to who you yeah. are as a person. But that's it, you see. If you base your self-worth on the things that you have, then you will never, ever feel truly worthy because some, there will always be somebody with more and there will always be somebody with less. What do you think would be a way to fix the world today on the basis of how we look at social media and all these things when it comes to possessions? I mean, how many times do you turn on a song nowadays and it's all about having like a bunch of cars or doing a bunch of drugs or living this party lifestyle that we all hold so high and mighty? Gosh, that's a really big question. Um, see, because, you know, I love stuff. Don't get me wrong. I oh, love for stuff. sure. I love clothes. I mean, I like um, all the paper yeah. But I do not base my worth on them at all. Um, you know, sort of another story of my life. I've had many stories in my life. But, you know, at one point, um, I was 24. Um, I was moving house. Um, and at 24, you know, I didn't have, like, fridge freezers and washing machines like I have now. I had, like, bags, um, bags of stuff. You're talking um, to someone who's in their 20s, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we loaded up the car um, the landlord brought our deposit back late. So we couldn't move into the new flat straight away. Um, and so we stayed with a friend overnight and left all of our stuff all packed into this car. Uh, somebody broke into the car and literally stole everything. They didn't steal the car. They just smashed the car up, but they stole everything from the inside of the car. So I literally had the clothes I was walking around in, and that was it. Damn. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that for me was a massive, massive life lesson in, you know what? I can lose all my stuff, but I'm still here. I don't actually need my stuff to exist. You still have air in your lungs, you know? Yeah, I'm alive. I think and, and as long as I'm alive, it means that I can now create whatever it is that I want to. I think from a that place. Good thing a lot of people need to do where a lot of meditation is very helpful. It's more about just taking a slowdown, you know, taking a nice deep breath at one point, and then eventually, you know, your problems start to get narrowed down. You know, mm -hmm. when you're overwhelmed, you're dealing with so many things, you're thinking about so many things at once that your brain is so active, you don't have time to process one thing at a time anymore. When you no. start trying to multitask your problems, you never get them done effectively. No, so, no, I mean, you know, we talk about in the book as well, like a 21 breath meditation, I think is a fantastic. 21 breaths? 21 breaths, yeah. Taking, you mean like 21 in, long breaths? I know. And if you can do that 
to begin like this meditation practice that yeah that was my way into meditation because I couldn't sit there I couldn't sit there for you know sort of five minutes <laughs> I'd get bored I'd get like antsy you know just like oh, what's the point <laughs> so yeah I started with 21 breaths do you 21 breaths. you want to start your day off like that it feels like that's where you want to have a leveled mindset for the day or do you see that whenever you're feeling overwhelmed and not handling things effectively if you feel like the you know the tunnel is never going to end that you should use the 21 breath count um whenever whenever you need it i i recommend uh, meditating every single day i mean i meditate at least twice a day sometimes three times a day um my daughter when she was 13 she had um six hour heart surgery it was supposed to be two hours um and and it ended up being six hours and she was awake for half of it at 13 years old which is crazy um but yeah the only way that i got through that was through meditation i think you know we talk about a balance in life i think to have a balance in life you need to have a balance in oneself as well yeah I mean, it's different for everybody. Obviously, meditation works for some people, not for everyone, but more about taking the enjoyment of life, you know, got to enjoy the little things, you know, that whole concept. I, I definitely think so. It's just, it sucks because we live in a world where money is what gets you those little things for a well, lot of people. The thing about money is, right, money gives you freedom, money gives you choice, more choice. But even without money, you still have both of those things. You still have both of those things. But money makes life easier. It really does. You know, I, I absolutely plan on being as rich as I can possibly be because I can help more people when I'm rich. I know that my life will be easier when I am rich. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, in, again, rich is all a perception. It's all... A, a comparison thing isn't it you know what's rich for one person is not rich for another person yeah. yeah another man's trash is another man's trash exactly you know so everybody has their own levels of of what they perceive to be rich everybody has their own levels of what is happiness of what is peace um and yeah and you, you, you just can't keep comparing yourself to people you really can't because it that way really is the way to do doom and gloom because like i said before you will always find somebody with more stuff than you've got you will always find somebody with more choices more freedoms well part so, of living this lifestyle where we choose to look at other stuff it's a jealousy aspect too it's all it influences into our character and our but nature the thing about jealousy is jealousy stems from um, a lack of trust in oneself that they can also have those things yeah, that's why it's very hard for people to see that because nobody's ever focusing on themselves anymore. They're only yeah. focusing on other people. When you start looking at, oh, that person has that. I don't have that. Oh, that person looks like that. Why do they look like that? Why do I look like this? You know, whether you're judging in a good way or a bad way, it, mm -hmm. you're still judging though. That word just turns into a different form of jealousy because you're not yeah. actually paying attention in oneself. If you want a nice car, you want these things, then what do you want to do to get there? You're not going to be able to do what that person did to get the money that he has or get his options that he has, but you have an opportunity and ability about yourself that is surprisingly unique where you can yeah. be able to obtain that. And a lot of people can't see that, and a lot of people can't have that even resonate in their head. Even while I say it, I'm still kind of saying it with like a blank kind of thought in my head. Like It's so easy to say, but it is difficult to do. 
Okay, so what stops you then from being uniquely you down to the nth degree? I'm pretty unique. <laughs> I like I it when um, I kind of express myself to people. They're like, is he a good guy or a bad guy? And people are like, oh, he's just Robbie. You got to talk to him. I don't, yeah. don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I see more of worth in communication, worth with just having conversation with people. Um, then really worth with items. It really sucks that sadly that's not going to be able to pay the bills. It's not going to be able to pay certain things, but you know, I definitely think like from the start, we were kind of as people set on a very rocky foundation, especially here in America. I mean, we live in a world now where it seems to get anything you have to, someone else has to suffer. You know, it makes it difficult. Um, there's a lot of good influences out there, but they're not as I guess in the limelight as most of the bad negative influences. I mean, how many times you turn on the TV is just something negative, something where it just makes yeah, you Yeah, but that's 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 designed that way. That's designed because the powers that be prefer the little people to live in a state of fear. So That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it makes yeah. it hard to see, you know, the positivity when everything is so negative. I'm saying if there's going to be a change that this world needs to overtake or we as people need to do, is start being more positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it makes it difficult because, oh, how can I be positive if this just happened? You know, for instance, I wasn't in the best mood when my car broke down, but, you know, I'm sitting there waiting for the tow truck driver for an hour. You know, he was supposed to be there in 15 minutes. So I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, oh, well, he's going to be here any minute. And then after a while, I was like, where is this guy? And I mean, immediately I see him. I get out of the car. I'm like, finally. And he's going and hooking up the truck. And I just look at him. I'm like, thanks, man, so much for helping me out right now. You know, and a lot right. of people would have took in that scenario to sit there and yell at him, call his manager, do whatever. And I was like, no, man, you're here now. Let's focus on the now. Yes, absolutely. And that, and that, that is, that is the, you know, the trick. I, I think it's wonderful and, you know, kind of amazing that, because you are, you know, I know that you're a proper grown man and all of that, but you know, it, but I'm nearly 50. So to me, you, you are really young to have learned all the things and have the insights and the understandings that you've got. And I think that's awesome. I really do. And I think that this is what's needed in the world. We need so, more people of your age to see the appreciation and the gratitude. of all, their all My knowledge or everything that I've gotten into my head has came from experiences from all these people I've talked to through the podcast and just people I associate with on my everyday life. It's turned me into, I like to think a better person when it comes to the idea of you know, I live introvert for a very long time. I didn't want to associate with anybody. I thought people were just negative and bad all the time. But we choose to let that be the template of people now. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, if we just took the yeah. time, no matter who you are, no matter what you have, to sit down and have a conversation with someone for an hour or longer, you know, you start to find things out. You start to learn more about yourself. You start to even have a conversation. It doesn't matter. People always consider, well, it could turn to an argument. Well, you choose to let it turn into an argument, Absolutely. you know, yeah. somebody yeah. when an argument, yeah, there's always one side or whoever engages first or something, but you sit there and let that inflict onto you as an argument. I say, no, there's never an argument. It's just conversation. You choose to hold it to be a bad one. If the person just wants to sit there. I've had people sit there and shove their opinions at me, tell me I'm wrong and everything. I'm just sitting there, start thinking more with an open mind. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all about understanding the person that got what they thought in their head or what they have in their life is all because of the road they chose to walk. You know, your life yeah, is not no, going to be exactly the same. Yeah. And everybody has their own perceptions on things. So, and it goes through their, their perception filter of the experiences that they've had. You know, so you're so, um, you know, very insightful and wise because of the experiences that you've had through the conversations. So other people might not have had that experience. Other people might not have ever heard of, you know, these sort of out of the box thoughts before. Yeah. Out of the box, kind of like out, out of, of the, the box. box. Out, out of the blank. I like, yeah, I've just got that. <laughs> it's crazy because, I mean, insightful moments, especially like, you know, I know we're on a time difference, but like at 5 a.m. and stuff. But like, I, yeah. I do think kind of clearly and logically throughout the day, obviously in moments where you're, you know, you're dealing with overwhelming stress, like, you know, when that, my car was had another nail in it, the first thing I thought was definitely not clear and logical. It was more like, that's it, kick my car or something. But I ended up like, wait a minute, that's just going to affect me in the long run. Let's try and handle this and see what steps I had to do. And I was looking for advice at the time. And this just happened yesterday. So I mean, I was looking for advice. I was looking for people that were gonna, hey, man, it's gonna be good, you know, get positive encouragement. And I wasn't getting it anywhere and I was like damn like are we all just like that's life like is that everybody giving me that answer right now and then one person uh I put it up on snapchat like another flat tire great and then some dude screenshotted it that I never in a thought in a million years would help me out shout out to Mitchell and he was like hey man do you need a ride and I was like, dude, I'm good, man. I'm waiting on a tow truck right now. But he's like, hey, man, if you need anything, let me know. And I mean, me and this kid almost fought in school. Me and this kid haven't talked since we got out of high school. It's been like six years. And I'm like, man, like to think that you can find help anywhere, even in the people that you wouldn't think would ever help you. Like, it's amazing to see the empathy that people will give off when they notice that someone is in need, especially. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's what we've got to focus on. That's what we've got to put our attention to, is the fact that there are amazing people in the world. And just because the, you know, maybe the people that don't resonate with us have louder voices and, you know, they seem more prevalent. When you really go looking for the positive people, for for the helpful people, the people that will support you no matter what, then you will find them. Do you find that with a lot of self-help writers, they kind of read self-help books themselves that pull them out of the slump? Is there one in particular that you wrote or read that pulled you out of this or you just decided like you're just going to write down your thoughts and kind of tips for people to help with their life? So before I became a coach, like literally just before I became a coach, I hated self-help books. I hated just the notion of them. The audacity of somebody telling me that they, that you know, they could help me, um, it really rubbed me up the wrong way. Um, so no, I've, I was never a fan of self-help books at all. I really wasn't. Um, this is this has come because because I just see so much sadness and. Um, just I know, isolation people isolating themselves because they're living in fear of you know and they're living with like all the things that you've been talking about the jealousy the inadequacy the lack of self-worth um and i know that 
this is kind of my message to the world that there is another way we don't have to live in the way that we have always been taught so no i i mean i do i have shelves of self-help books now um but most of them are to do with business so you know like think and grow rich and you know um things like that science of getting rich which are they were all written in like sort of 30s 40s 50s 60s they're ancient um that's why i like the concept of your book so much is because like we're talking about like templates it seems like everybody's forcing and telling you oh you do this well it's because you do that why don't you try being a better person it's like how about we get a self-help book that isn't making me feel like shit halfway through the read you know what i mean yeah. it's it's all about coming from a more relative perspective not really treating the person like a hurt bird which no. is a lot of people talk about when they write self-help books like oh, i'm not going to give you what you want to hear i'm going to tell you how it is and it's like sometimes that's not always needed sometimes you're sitting there making a person feel even worse about themselves is not going to encourage them to want to become anything no, exactly. But, and it also encourages them to, to be a victim. And I don't really believe that anybody is a victim um, in the victim-y type stance. You know, things happen to people. You know, people get raped and they are victims of rape. But it's a mindset whether they stay feeling like the world is just awful and the world is against them. That is a state of mind. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of coaches and books and things like this come from a place of trying to save the world and if you have a savior then you have a victim does that make sense it does i mean it really resonates too i do have to bring up this though because i totally glossed over it usually when someone's from the uk i always ask why you guys drive on the wrong side of the road <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> But when I came to LA, I came to LA um, last, not this summer, just gone the summer before, because my brother lives in LA. And yeah, you, I could not drive. I just flatly refused to drive on your highway. <laughs> it's funny because every time I mention it, someone's like, no, 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 you drive on the wrong side of the road. I was like, look, we do what we want. It's crazy because, I mean, like I said, time zone differences, it's hard to schedule things. But, yeah. you know, it, I, I was very fortunate, first of all, to be able to sit and talk with you. I mean, it was awesome, at least learning a little bit more about self-help, too, and a different perspective to it, too, than what I normally see. I mean, do you ever think about – this is going to be a weird question, but do you ever think about this, going back to the cakes, going back to anything like that? Like, that was a passion at first, right? Like, you didn't just oh, yeah. decide it was going to be a job. You decided, like, that all comes from a creativity aspect that you kind mm -hmm. of can release into your books in a whole nother form. Yeah, yeah. And But that's the thing. I mean, you know, we all have different passions as we go through life. And I'm very much led by, led by the emotion of passion, because passion isn't a thing. Um, it's, a, it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's the energy that you put into a thing. Your passion is what makes you really excited. And following your passion is following your purpose. Yeah, because if, you, if, you're, if this thing brings you joy, then that's the thing that you're supposed to be doing more of. Um, so right now, no, I have absolutely no plans of going back to cakes because it's no longer my passion. Uh, my passion is the coaching, it is the writing, it is the, you know, chatting to people like this. I've absolutely loved this so much. Thank you so much for inviting me on. No problem. I think it's a lot of people here, like, how could you just lose your passion? Sometimes it's beneficial in a way 
a passion can turn into a job a lot of the times, especially when you do it 24 seven, it might not be your true thing. You know, you can't stick on one thing for the rest of your life. The people that do find it ends up getting a little bit bland sometimes, exactly. you know, like, but you know, I, like the past things you were passionate about when you were 14 years old, you're not going to have the same passions, are you? No, I've been going to the gym every day for seven years now, and it's became more of a job now. It's not, you know, it is my stress relief. It is a, mm -hmm. it, it's been helping me recently, especially with all like the tough times I've been going through. But it, it, like I said, at a point when there was nothing that was really bad, I was just kind of working, going to school, going to the gym, going to sleep, that type of concept. You know, I picked up podcasting, and next thing I know, this has become a passion. This has become something. And some people are like, why don't you turn it into a job? You make money off of I'm like, no, because I'm not going to pay someone to have a conversation. And at the same time, I'm not going to get paid for the conversation. And it's like, I don't want to ever turn this into a job. I want this to be a passion of mine and keep it strictly to a fun aspect of things. Mm -hmm. It's amazing being able to talk to people like yourself that go through things that people feel like, you know, that might be out there going through something similar that can find, hear this and be able to pull something from it. You know what I mean? It's all on that concept. Like, it doesn't matter uh, how many you post. doesn't matter any of this concept. It just matters. Like, you don't need to listen to every single one, but listen to the ones that resonate with you the most. It's the concept yeah. of, like, I post one every day, sometimes twice a day. It's wow. not because I'm just, I think I'm so popular. Or I think I'm like, oh, this number one hit. It's the concept of, there are so many people out there in this world that have a story and that have a conversation aspect to them. And first of all, have something unique about them. Everyone does. doesn't matter if mm -hmm. it's good, bad, whatever you want to consider. We all have a voice and that voice is meant to be heard. And I, this is my experience with you hearing your voice and your unique story. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Well, Janet, I really appreciate you doing the podcast. I want to give you here a minute at the end to kind of promote your content so where people can find your awesome stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so my book Habits for Happiness is available on Amazon, um, available in Kindle and um, paperback, $9.99. Um, you can also find me at my website, which is JanetMohappyBanksCoaching.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I really am the only Janet Mohappy Banks in the world, that <laughs> unless name, somebody's though. stolen my name. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Janet, for being on the podcast, and thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank.